Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. Thanks for listening to this program again called, it's called Today's Issues. Uh, I'm Tim Wildman with Ed Vitagliano. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Tim. Fred Jackson. Yeah, I'm recovering. Recovering from? State of the Union address. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we were two days I feel remo- much better today. We're, we're two days removed now. <laughs> have, you, have you been able to go through it and maybe figure out... Uh, Anything that any hidden messages that the president was trying to send? No, I'm still trying to figure out Nancy Pelosi though and knuckle rub. Yeah, yeah the knuckle rub. I, I've never. I, seen. Well, let me, let's bring Chris Woodward in here. Good morning, Chris. I have my transcript of the State of the Union. You do. Ready. I and can you read it around today. for all of us to read. Then <laughs> and, and I'm going to get to mine Saturday and, night. And before you get to what you're going to say, reading. Tim, I yeah. want to make it clear that uh-huh. next year, since apparently the effects were so uh, terrible on Fred. I'm getting the vaccine. Oh, are you? <laughs> Before the State of the Union address. Well, for those who missed it during the State of the Union address, was that Monday night? Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the president spoke, uh, and Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, was, and, and Kamala Harris, Vice President, were, were his bouncers <laughs> that night. You could see them in the background. By the way, I saw somebody... Uh, commenting that they need to ditch that because it's too distracting. It doesn't matter who it is. Oh, you're talking about standing up and No, and no, no, no. Get rid of the two people behind the president during the State of the Union. Not get rid of them as in take them out. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'm not advocating. Well, you need to be careful when you're talking about Italians. I know. I don't, I don't need any FBI visits here. I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking about remove them from, from the live TV caption mm-hmm. because – it's it's distracting to try to watch somebody speak mm-hmm. while two people behind them are making facial gestures and, do, and doing the, the, the Nancy seal. Uh, she looked like she was like ordering from a menu. She the, kept, you know, well, right. why else, the, the why Nancy else Pelosi, watch it? Huh? Why, why else watch it? The, you watch it just to see. Oh, for the, the entertainment inter- for value? For the entertainment value. Just to see what Nancy, watch, I don't know what we're going to do when Nancy Pelosi leaves because like it said, she's like that. You know, you go to the, uh, you go to the uh, zoo, and and why? Well, yeah, I didn't even finish with this analogy yet. You don't have to. Say, huh? Is this going to get us? Is this going to get us YouTube time out? I don't know. Uh, you go to the zoo, you go to the uh, what's the seals, right? And the okay. seals are clapping. They're ah, clapping. You see I what see. I'm saying? I see. Okay. Okay. This is not. Um, okay. I thought not, you were talking about like going to the carnival to see the yak lady or something no, like that. No, that's just talking about you see the seal. I don't know if they're, they're clapping and then you toss them some some food. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, they're just clapping. It doesn't matter what you say or no, do. That's they're going to clap. So Nancy Pelosi, to my analogy, which is, I think okay. I mean, In, increasingly okay, acceptable. Okay. <laughs> then she's just clapping, and it doesn't matter what President Biden says. In fact, she was clapping at sometimes. 
when he said things that she shouldn't have been clapping at, mm. but she didn't hear what he said, but she just knew there's my Democrat president, and I'm going to clap all the way through this thing, even if I can't hear what he says. Now, there was one point where, as Fred says, Nancy Pelosi, she doesn't clap. She stands and rubs her knuckles together. Mm-hmm. It yes. was the weirdest thing. I've never seen huh? No. Yeah. Weird. Somebody somebody said, I think uh, somebody was on the Laura Ingram show, she has someone on. I think I think that's the show, uh, and he, he's kind of a comedian. The the guy he, I know who you're talking on. about. And yeah. he said he called it uh, something to do with uh, the hungry fly. What? You know how flies will rub their oh their yeah front feet together. Yeah, he said it looks like the I, hungry fly. I guessed yesterday that what happened there. I'm guessing. Yeah, because there's really no other explanation than what I'm about to say. I don't see unless she was. That's some kind of new exercise TikTok thing. You know what I'm saying? That she she was trying to get a TikTok audience there. You know what TikTok tick is, Ed? <laughs> Talk tick. <laughs> do you? Yeah, I do. I was just pretending. Uh, TikTok's that dancing video. Uh, yeah, people place. post their own. Yeah, I've videos. never. So I, know, I she... know what it is. I don't watch it. But anyway, uh, what she what she did right there was, I think, it's live, right? Oh yeah. So she got caught between clapping for approval and not clapping because I really didn't hear what he said. Nobody else is clapping. So I'll go with the tweener. (laughs) The tweener is rubbing my knuckles together. I can't be accused of approving of what he just said. Uh, But if just in case he did say something uh, that I wanted to clap for, I can't be accused of sitting and, and well, that that's interesting. You should say that. And folks, I I admit we're being pretty petty here, but that that's okay. We're starting off the show little petty. I think we need five or ten minutes issues. of this. That's, that's right. on AFR. So you know that may be because, if I'm not mistaken, the point of the speech at that moment was President Biden was talking about getting aid and health care to our soldiers. Mm-hmm who have breathed in poisonous gas while the uh, poisonous you know fumes right. while they are serving the country so it may very well be to your point that she was getting up to clap about the helping the soldiers but the point at which she stood up was him talking about breathing in poisonous fumes right you, you can't, can't be clapping clap, for that clap for that you got yeah. it so so she was caught what That's, do I do now? I can't brush my teeth that is, on TV. <laughs> I don't have a toothpick. Yeah. So next year, they're going to have a director in the audience? Yes. Nancy, clap now. Now Clap now. Yeah. Clap now. Yeah. Well, I don't think Nancy's going to be there next year. That's a good point. Did you Did you talk yesterday about Schumer? He got up to he applause. Did, he did. That was up. hilarious. But <laughs> yeah. For those who didn't see it, <laughs> I saw that last night for the first time. Uh, folks, I'm sorry. The entertainment value from Tuesday night, we, we just can't. Pass it. We're just going to have to milk this for a couple more minutes. That's here, right. Okay? So, so if you didn't see it, you got to go over the internet and watch it. It's, I don't know if I, it's Chuck Schumer, the uh, Senate majority leader, Democrat from New York. And he, during the speech, the camera's on him and he stands to start clapping yeah. for, for whatever Biden said at that point. Nobody else in no. the whole, whole building is standing up. So he realizes, oh my! You can—it's like a slow motion car crash or something like that. He's going, 
Uh, all right, then. Uh, maybe I should sit <laughs> back down. He does. He sits back he down. Sits, he, did he even clap? I don't think he clapped one time. He got about like that. He got, he got yeah. about six inches from Freeze putting frame. those hands together. The look on his face really was priceless because yes. it, it demonstrates that no matter yes. how powerful right. you are, Nobody likes to be embarrassed <laughs> because the look on his face was one of embarrassment. Yeah, it was it, like, uh, what, what yeah. do I do now? It wouldn't I, have been, mattered who it was. Right. You go, I've been there. Right. Yeah. My, but what he was doing was evidently he had read the speech or he knew what he knew what Biden was going to say. Mm-hmm. So he knew I'm going to stand up and applaud right there. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, he got ahead of the speech yes. and got ahead of everybody else. And so nobody in the room knows exactly what Biden's about to say that Schumer wants to applaud. So he gets, so he waits, what, 30 seconds, Fred? Yeah. And then gets back up. It, it Was that, huh? It was, Fred, it was, Fred it was still funny. laughing. I, I, I still am. Hey, yeah. listen, there were some entertaining moments yes, in that hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. So what are you complaining about then? It, some, was, it, no, was, it was somewhat painful. All the rest well, it's of it. One painful. of those things you laugh, lest you cry. Yeah. yeah. It was sad. Yeah. In many respects, uh, it was a moment. Yeah, but but there was still c- some comedic value to yes. the Tuesday night. I was thinking about it. That's the tenth one uh, I've covered. It was me, State Fred. State of the Union. Yeah, me, Fred. We're sitting here watching it, and we had a pizza. <laughs> Diplomatic relations, U.S. and Canada. Uh, yeah. Oh, I got State you. Watching a pizza and a pizza. <laughs> and eat a pizza. Uh-huh. All right, you're listening to today's issues. You can watch the show on Facebook or YouTube. Just type in today's issues, and you watch, you can watch the live video stream for uh, today's issues. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, about the situation in Ukraine and, and Russia and the war going on there with Ivy Scarborough mm-hmm. at the bottom of the hour. Ivy knows a lot about that part of the world. He's uh, from Jackson, Tennessee, and he is an adjunct professor of international studies and political science at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. So that's coming up at the bottom of the hour. And then later on in the show, Lewis and Rachel Hogan, founders of United Cry, which is a big, big prayer event that's going to happen, be happening in Central Texas coming up in the middle of April. We're going to talk to them about that at 1045 Central Time. Who's is it? Who who's the news leader man today? It's me. You're the it's anchor me. man. Yes, sir. Go. Well, the uh, the International Criminal Court is going to be meeting today to look into whether Russia possibly committed war crimes based on its invasion of Ukraine and the types of weapons that Putin has reportedly used to try to invade Ukraine and take over <laughs> that country. Um, looking at uh, the UN Human Rights Office, they're death count today they say 227 civilians died or have died since russia invaded ukraine 525 people have been reportedly injured and uh one of the people in ukraine today um fearing for her life no doubt is the grandmother of ukrainian-born representative victoria sparts she's a republican that is representing indiana in congress and uh representative sparts was on fox and friends today to talk about the situation involving her grandmother clip one my grandma turning 95 today and we couldn't reach her but my mom just called me 
few minutes ago and told me that uh, we reached her neighbor and the building next to her was hit. So it blew out all of her windows in her apartment. So they moved into the basement. So at least for now, they're safe in the basement. But it's really, I mean, this humanitarian crisis is going to reach, I mean, level never seen before. And I think we, as the leaders of the world, have a responsibility to, to really take some leadership and force to have some ceasefire, at least to have some safe corridors for people and safe uh, passes to get out of the cities. You know, I was watching that. Fred watched it. Steve watched it. Um, Chad Groening's uh, going to be doing more with it. And it's just hard to imagine. 95 years old today. That woman lived through Soviet occupation. And then for the last 30 years, she's enjoyed freedom. And now you don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't even know if you're going to be alive this afternoon. Well, okay. So let me just ask this now. So are we talking about the the criminal court thing, or are we talking? Well, I, I segued from the criminal court okay. into this story. I, I do have I do have a comment I want to make about the possibility of uh, war crimes trials like that. Now, I, I don't know how I'm going to come off sounding here, but I don't. I personally don't like the idea of a permanent criminal court under the jurisdiction of the United Nations. For this reason, I second that. Yeah, I, I, I don't like I, I, the the United Nations is kind of a necessary evil. It does allow countries to talk to one another, at least go through the motions of some kinds of international cooperation. You can probably avoid some misunderstandings that could lead to war. Okay, I, I let me just set that caveat aside. But I don't think the United Nations should have much authority because there were times when there were people demanding that U.S. military leaders be brought before the International Criminal Court to be tried on war, uh, war crimes. I don't, li- I don't like I agree. I don't like that idea. I think if you have a situation like with the Nazis in World War II, you create a special court for that purpose, and then after it's done, it disbands. And so it's not that I don't think maybe some – War crimes have gone on. Perhaps they. What have. is a war crime? For give me two, give me one example, one or two examples Where, of a war crime. Because the reason I ask is, for a lot of people there, I think I know what it is, so I'm not completely ignorant on this, but I do think it needs explanation. But I think for a lot of people, we're going war crimes, war itself, <laughs> huh? War itself against a uh, a country like Ukraine, the inv- an invasion is it is by definition a crime. So I don't, what what are we talking so, about here? Uh, let me just say, and then Fred wants to yeah. jump in here. I don't want to dominate the the show here, even though this is all just solid stuff right here. But, <laughs> you go okay. Well, okay. Now I, again, please hear me out, folks. This was one of the arguments made by the Nazis who were on trial at the Nuremberg trials after World War II. With, their argument was, we what we did was legal in our country. Your countries all disagree. You are trying us according to your laws. There is no standard agreed upon definition of what a war crime is. Therefore, this is unjust. Obviously, I disagree with what the Nazis were saying in terms of how horrifying the Holocaust was, and so on and so forth. But there are no, I, 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 there, the, the UN does have things that they list as war crimes. Yep. 
but it not everybody agrees on the application of them. So, because as you say, war is devastating. We've we've launched you know cruise missiles and attacked terrorists who are hiding out in buildings where there are civilians, knowing good and well to get me, you got to kill civilians. And so, does it, is that a war crime or is what the terrorist did hiding amongst civilians mm-hmm. is that a war crime? So. It's it gets foggy, and that's why I don't want the UN in charge because then politics takes over. I I would say in in a short answer, the deliberate targeting of civilians, unarmed civilians, uh, in my mind is criminal. But I, I think overall, and I agree with the broad comments coming from Ed. I think each country, in this case, in our our case, the United States, uh, needs to judge Russia needs to judge Putin in particular, because I think there are many Russians that are not in on this at all. It is Putin, and we have to find a way. Right now, I I think, you know, we're going after the property of the oligarchs. Do you know that there's one of these oligarchs, whoever he is? uh, Germany this morning seized his $600 million yacht. Six hundred million dollar yacht. Where, where does this guy get his money? Well, from Russian oil, probably. Yeah, that's where he's making his money. That's the way you punish them. These are the oligarchs are the rich people who support. Now, Putin is very rich himself. He yeah. has his own private yacht. A lot of people don't know that he's the richest man in the world, according to some. Yes. So that's the way you punish but, but, these but, people. But let me ask you that about. I don't. I don't we don't want to spend the whole half hour on this, but. The only question I have about that, Fred, is it can you strip private citizens of their assets and their property because the country they come from is a leader, is doing something terrible? Well, they are supporters of Putin. So those who are supporting Putin. But what Putin, if they renounce their support? Well, that, that's that's where maybe a trial comes in and, and says... Look, I, the guy's money may be ill-gotten. I don't know. But he may be a genius businessman, too. And he, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm just thinking, wow, can uh, can can the German government just take somebody's private property and seize it because the leader of the country that they come from is doing terrible things and they may not be able to control it? I'm just asking the question. Do you have a, uh, uh, Chris, you, you pulled something up. Do you have a list of what the UN considers war crimes? I have or? a yacht, and, and this is why I'm interested. <laughs> I have a yacht. It's not a $600 million yacht. It's a $100 million AFA, AFR yacht that right. a lot of our supporters are unaware of. I do. Oh, man. But it's, it's. Please it's, explain huh? that that's, you're being funny. <laughs> what? Yeah. I, I, people, I'm completely kidding. <laughs> yes. I'm, Completely in hundred. Does it say "gone fishing" on the back yeah, of it? I, I, yeah. No, no, I, please. Uh. Looking at the uh, it, the list of war crimes and the, uh, definitions vary, uh, but uh, definitions would include willful killing, torture, mutilation, or inhumane treatment, biological, medical, or scientific experiments which cause death or seriously endanger lives, destruction and appropriation of property. That happens in every war, right? Uh, compelling service and hostile forces, denying a fair trial, those kinds of things. I, I, I understand the concept in all seriousness. I understand the concept. What, you, what, you, what you're trying to prevent from happening, y'all correct me if I'm wrong, is when armies and countries get into military conflict, which is inevitable, 
in, in as human history goes on because of sin in man's heart <laughs> right. mm-hmm. and uh, uh, rebellion to God that's and the lust for more land mm-hmm. to control right. that's usually that's usually what wars are over uh, is that you want to f- you want to kill each other in a civilized manner <laughs> huh? yeah, we're, we're, you don't want to uh, in other words fight it out fairly by the rules and uh, don't send in chemical weapons where everybody everybody in that country drops dead and are poisoned or are firing uh, missiles into uh, knowingly as I said into uh, civilian uh, areas uh, now this is what the Israelis have to contend with all the time because Hamas, the terrorist organization, they launch weapons from hospitals. Right. Yeah. Yes. Well, the Israelis are going. Mm-hmm. What are we supposed to do? Do we do we knock down this hospital and then the whole world condemns us, or right. do we stop the rockets from coming? In? I mean, so so the bad guys know they can hide behind, and that will happen mm-hmm. in the Ukraine. I'm not talking about hospitals, but they will. The Ukrainians. Uh, we're pr- are go- about to engage in guerrilla warfare on a mass scale, it appears, and they're going to be doing things like, right, like this. Well, I- let me, well, let me just let me just throw. Uh, I know we, we're coming up to the bottom of the. I think right. this is a good discussion. I think a lot of our listeners would be interested in this kind of thing. But let me let me muddy the waters a little bit more. Please do. We while, dropped, we, while we have four we minutes dropped left. two yeah. nuclear weapons on Japanese cities because we knew. Estimates said it'll take a million U.S. servicemen deaths to conquer all the islands and to conquer Japan. We're not doing that. So Japan, if you won't surrender, we're going to show you what we got up our sleeve. Hiroshima or Hiroshima, however you pronounce it, Nagasaki, we killed civilians. So is that a war crime? What I'm saying is these issues are complicated, and I don't trust the U.N. to sift through it. We've, we have to make decisions based on what we think is best for our national interests. And then uh, we hold our political leaders responsible for what they do. I agree. agree. I'll say whatever you want me to. Hey, by no, the way, that's, by the way no, I, I, what is, a, what is the barrel of oil going up to today? Oh, it's well over $100. It went to 110 yesterday. Is it? Is it? What does that mean at the pump? Are we looking at five dollar gallon of gasoline? I paid uh, four oh nine for diesel last night. I've heard uh, people in Tupelo paid more What'd than that. Pay? And the thing is, Tim, we pay below average prices here. Yeah. So Brent Creeley, our producer, you paid four twenty for diesel. Four twenty for diesel yesterday evening. I, I I waved those savings in front of his face this morning. I said <laughs> ten cents. <laughs> what about unleaded? What what is that gonna? I, I don't know. That was uh, three thirty-five yesterday, local, just regular okay. unleaded. In Mississippi, I, I don't know what we would be like compared to other states, yeah. but we're not like California. Oh, we're, but we're still. far below average. Yeah, we're paying okay. a lot less than a lot of people are right now. All right, why is that? Because well, supposedly it's because we're closer to refineries, oh, and oh, and like we a- don't it, we don't require as much stuff be added to our gas as say California. Okay, we'll be back momentarily. Stay with us. What we believe about the Bible is based on what we believe about its source. 
The God Who Speaks, the award-winning documentary from the American Family Association, is now available in a special limited edition DVD set. This release includes a Sunday school curriculum and two hours of additional footage. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to get your copy today. thegodwhospeaks.org You know, most tours of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., don't include the spiritual heritage of our country, the Christian history of our nation, the people, the places, the events that God used to birth America. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. My friend, historian Stephen McDowell of the Providence Foundation, goes with us on these tours, and he talks all along the way. He tells you about the people, the places, the events, and he does so from a Christian perspective. So you're invited to join us on one of these spiritual heritage tours in June and September. We also go to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown on a separate tour if you want to do that as well. So for all the information, go to spiritualheritagetours.com. Again, simply the website, spiritualheritagetours.com. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Uh, my goal as a teacher is, is to impart knowledge and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach... I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect their lives and their careers? Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. Vicki Hansen of Bowling Green, Missouri, is known around town for making fudge. It's something of a family tradition. On average, Mrs. Hansen makes around 42,000 pounds of fudge every year, not for the family, but for American troops. It's a tradition that started with the women of the Hansen family during World War II. Her father served in the military, as did two of her children. Mrs. Hansen's fudge has been devoured by troops serving in 52 different countries. She tells television station WGEM the military needs to know they're appreciated and respected. She said they need to have hope. And nothing says hope like a box of homemade fudge, all made in her tiny kitchen with a cast iron skillet, shipped out using donated coolers and tin cans. An inspiration to all Americans, giving our soldiers and airmen and Marines and sailors a little taste of home. I'm Todd Starnes. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1.3 American Family Radio This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net Now, back to more of today's issues. Hey, welcome back everybody to the radio program today's issues on the american family radio tim ed fred and chris uh, we thank you for listening the um if you want to send us an email the address is comments at afr.net comments at afr.net if you want to listen uh you know on your computer you just go to afr.net we live stream our our show there the audio version 
And if you want to download the app, just go and uh, do that, and you can listen anywhere in the world as long as you have high-speed internet. It takes you the uh, you can listen to AFR anywhere you travel. Well, joining us now is Ivy Scarborough. Ivy's an attorney and former adjunct professor of international studies and political science at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee, and longtime friend of our ministry. Ivy, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Tim, and good to talk to you. Thank you for joining us. Ivy, you have a lot of experience having traveled in uh, the part of the world uh, where the uh, war is happening, and you have a lot of yes. – you've studied this. I'm just going to open up the floor, and we'll take it from there. You just go for it. Well, I assume that people probably want to know most about the um, – probably about the leaders. That's what I would be curious about. So I'll start on that, but if people have questions – don't hesitate to interrupt me. You could not find two national leaders who were more different than Zelensky in the Ukraine or Yel- not Yeltsin, but Putin in Russia. They're totally different types. They were raised differently. And you, frankly, Zelensky is surprising me, and I think a lot of people, he is behaving almost like Churchill in the stand that he has taken. Very courageous, very bold, and I think that his leadership is one of the reasons why the Russians haven't been able to run right over the Ukraine. Putin, on the other hand, was highly predictable. I had predicted that he would do something at some point to try to rebuild what we will call the Russian Empire. He is one of those who sees Russia as a great nation and that he wants to make it greater. And he wants to restore it to its former glory. In Putin's eyes, Tim, what happened with the fall of the Berlin Wall and all of that was a disaster. We see it as a great achievement in the West. But to Putin and many Russians, it was a disaster because it basically lowered them to a much, much more to a just a conventional state. No longer were they seen as a world power as they once were. So what you're seeing here is that playing out, Putin wanting to restore that. He's 69 years old, by the way, and I suspect strongly that he realizes he's running out of time. So if he's going to do this, he has to start soon, and that's why he started the war. Talking to Ivy Scarborough. Ed, do you have a question for Ivy? Yeah, uh, Ivy, uh, Ed Vitagliano here. Do you think that Putin, of course, nobody knows exactly what's going on in his head, but do you think he intends to uh, recapture some of the Eastern Eastern European countries that once were Warsaw Pact nations and are now part of NATO? You think he's going to, like, go for the Baltic states and Poland? Yes, I do, Ed. I fully think that if it's, especially if he succeeds here, and that's one of the reasons why we can't allow him to succeed, if he succeeds here, that will only whet his appetite and convince him that he can go for other areas as well. You may remember he's already taken the Crimea, and nothing really of consequence was done about that. So the Ukraine is especially important because the Ukraine is has been known for generations as the breadbasket of Europe. And once he acquires that, if he succeeds at it, as I said, what I believe he will do is move to the next option and so forth. He's not exactly a subtle man. He's deceitful, but not subtle. But he's definitely very ambitious, Ed. 
And if there's any way he thinks he can make it work, he will do it. Ivy, it's uh, Fred here. You just used a phrase, if we allow him to succeed. Um, what are you suggesting in the way, how can we stop him uh, beyond what we're doing right now? Well, the trouble with it is, Fred, I do not know exactly what we're doing. I know we sent in just recently uh, some Stinger missiles and some Javelin missiles, which are both really excellent weapons. And this is something that they need for sure. But they're going to need much more than that against this huge Russian incursion. And they're going to need weapons of a type that are not conventional, that we normally don't see. So that's the first thing. They need economic and otherwise types of support to help just feed the people. They have, as you may be aware, they a lot of the women and the children have been permitted to leave Ukraine. The men have stayed behind to fight, which I just think is just remarkable. I'm just so impressed with these people. One of the things I think for allowing the women to leave had to do more with the pragmatic question of being able to feed everybody. So I think, Fred, that we need to do much more in terms of support of every kind, humanitarian, you name it. I I heard a a military expert suggest one thing that the United States could do more, and this is spinning out of another story about uh, other NATO countries have older fighter jets the Ukrainians can fly. Someone was suggesting we could decertify some of our A-10s and uh, turn them over. We, the United States? Yes, decertify some of the A-10s. For those who don't know, what is an A-10? A-10 is uh, the Warhog. That's what it's called. It's a tank tank killer. It's a a tank killer aircraft. We could decertify their older airplanes in our fleet, and we could decertify, thereby call them officially old airplanes and give them to the Ukrainians. Is that something that we could go a little bit further? Well, let's put it this way. If the weapons are feasible and there's no reason not to, I would say yes. As you know, apparently, Fred, the Warthog is a tremendous uh, help to troops on the ground. Yes. It protects the troops on the ground. And so if the Ukrainians had that and they were in a tight spot surrounded by the Russians, an A-10 Warthog coming in would do tremendous damage to the Russians. So, put another way, Fred, I can't see any reason not to send them virtually everything except a nuclear bomb. Yeah. Ivy Scarborough joining us right now. Ivy lives in Jackson, Tennessee, that area. He's an attorney and former adjunct uh, professor of international studies and political science at Union University. Uh, Have you traveled in uh, Russia, Ukraine um, area? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Traveled all over it. I've seen a lot more of Russia than I have of Ukraine, and I formed an impression at the time of the character of the people, and I'm happy to tell you, Tim, it's uh, turning out exactly the way my instincts told me. I really liked the Ukrainians. There was something about them that was different and special. And the Russians, on the other hand, tended to be so uh, cool, so distant. And of course, part of that was because I was an American, which they, many of them see as an enemy. But uh, the the Ukrainians struck me as people anybody would like. By the way, because that is such an agricultural country, a lot of Americans in the South in particular could relate with these people because the the way they make their living is much like many Southerners do. 
All right, Chris, you have a question? I do. Uh, President Biden and people that work for the administration have spent days talking about sanctions uh, against the oligarchs. We've had one oligarch have his, uh, he had his yacht taken by the Germans. There's been other things going on in the news. Then you have stories about Russians. They can't get money out of their ATM because of sanctions we've put on Russia. Uh, All that is happening at a time in which Putin is acting like a dictator if he's not already one. Dictators... In historically speaking, they're not going to run out of food. They're they're going to have something to eat. They're going to have something to drink. They're going to have money and this and that. So, is it bothering Putin that oligarchs can't be on their yacht or people can't get money out of an ATM? What they're hoping, Chris, is that the oligarchs will start to put pressure on Putin because of these steps. In other words, if they can squeeze him enough to cause him to start backing off in Ukraine, well, we've achieved something there. It's not really about having the oligarchs' yachts or other things. It's more about putting the squeeze on Putin. So I'm hoping that that tactic works, but I'm skeptical that it will. Okay. Hey, uh, is there – I know this is the economy, not necessarily war in the geopolitical situation over there. But still, I'm going to ask you if you have an answer for this, Ivy. People keep talking, especially on our side, the conservative side, people keep saying, hey, they need to cut off, we, they, we, the United States, needs to cut off buying oil from Russia. Uh, Mm -hmm. Okay. That seems so simple. Why hasn't that been done? Is there something we just don't understand? Is that going to cause our gas prices to go to 10 bucks a gallon or something? Why, why, Why is that not on the table? You put your finger on something, yes. Biden's actions from the very first day that he took office made us more dependent on foreign oil. For example, when he shut down the work on the pipeline, which should not have happened. That was a tremendously negative blow to America and our strength. That kind of step makes us much more dependent on foreign oil. We buy a lot of our oil from Russia. If we shut down that pipeline from Russia, then oil prices are going to shoot through the roof. And as you know, they're already climbing. Gas at the pump is going up. But this is what Biden can't afford to have happen. Because once that starts, everybody's going to be looking at him and the Democratic Party as being the culprits who caused this. So we we really are, by we, I mean, the United States here, uh, we're, we're, we're speaking with a forked tongue, right? I mean, we're, 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 Seems to me like I, I know things are often complicated. When, and, and, you know, you, uh, when we talk about take this action or this action, well, that causes this to happen, and then you got a cascade of this happening, and uh, so you, you have to you have mm-hmm. to think through all that. I understand that, but it just seems like to me, for those who say we're condemning Russia and Putin while we're funding his war machine by buying his oil, and I just don't know what to do with that contradiction uh that just i don't i don't know how biden answers that one or maybe he's not going to be forced to i don't know well he can't answer it he can there or can't no way that he can answer it he cannot answer well, the you're logic saying. Of, okay go ahead yes the logic of this is upside down to say the least you know at the outset of world war ii we were sending a lot of scrap metal to the japanese believe it or not and they had to take steps to stop that after, of course, Pearl Harbor. 
but they already knew beforehand that there was a good chance that the Japanese were going to attack us somewhere. This is just ridiculous now to have our enemy being funded by us. It's, a, it's an absurdity. And to say that it's an evidence of what I've written about in Into the Night, the book, as you remember, yes, I wrote about this, the illogic in it, the out-of-touch with reality quality of it is just incredible. And the, the trouble is people around the world, including in our country, are going to pay for that stupidity. Right, Abby, uh, we got to move along here, but thank you so much for being on with us. You mentioned Into the Night, which is your excellent book, uh, The Crisis in Western Civilization. What is your – can people buy it there on your website? Yes, there's a website, intothenightbook.com, where people can buy it, intothenightbook.com. And I want to thank you, Tim, and the folks there at American Family Association and Alex McFarland for all your help in promoting the book. We're still selling them right and left, and we're going to need to do another reprint here shortly. Huh? One thing I do want to mention, though, Tim, Samaritan's Purse is in uh, Ukraine. I have been in contact with a key person there, Ken Isaacs, who I know well. And if anybody wants to help the Ukrainians in a practical way, go to the website for Samaritan's Purse, and they will be able to tell you how you can donate or what else you might be able to do. Oh, excellent point. Thank you so much. All right, Ivy, thanks for your uh, insights and analysis, and uh, we appreciate you, brother. Very good. We appreciate you too, Tim, okay. and all of you fellas. All Thank right. you. God bless you. Thanks. Okay. That's Ivy Scarborough uh, joining us from Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, you can, if you want to check out his excellent book, I mean, it is a. It's like a college class yeah, in, a, in a book. On Western civilization. And uh, you can go to intothenightbook.com. I do want to mention we have a story on AFN.net about Samaritan's Purse going over there. They're trying to set up a Going over to the Ukraine? Yes, sir. I heard Franklin Graham talking about that. We're going to be talking about this two or three years from now, are we guys? Oh. Uh, I think so because this has been a a process that Putin has put into place starting in 2008 when he attacked Georgia, the country, not the state. 2014 is when he took Crimea. And now he is on the verge, barring something almost miraculous, of uh, of taking Ukraine. And Ivy Scarborough, who we just had on, he believes he believes he's going to attack NATO countries. I mean, I I, I don't know that that's the case, but but well, if he well, a lot, the, the a lot fallout, of people do the fallout, as you're pointing out, we could be talking about for years to come. Well, and and that's why I think the NATO has to take a strong stand right now. Because if he takes Ukraine, that bumps him up against the NATO countries. Right. Uh, okay. And, and, and he be- Putin becomes twice as dangerous if yeah. he takes Ukraine. There, there, there are no just easy answers to this right now. Now, things may clear up and there may become easier answers by, I mean, solving this problem. I... Because- I because I just feel it, it's just uh, I feel like we're living in a it's a weird place to be watching a country be dismantled and bombed and people suffering and a million refugees and I'm watching it on TV and I'm going 
Is there nothing that the, that the, well, there is something. I understand that we are doing something, but I just feel like, well, we, the United States have the greatest military in the world. We're the, we're the, we're, we're the pot, we're the superpower of the world and, and we can't stop this from happening well that's the feeling i get i know that's not practical for all the reasons we've talked about but now i i did say a couple of weeks ago yeah when the russians military was on the border my personal opinion was and we could still do this but the only real way we could have made vladimir putin reconsider the, the uh the his planned invasion of ukraine was once he massed those troops on the border we should have made made it clear by putting troops in Europe that we considered this a danger to NATO. And now I think we still should be doing it. If he takes Ukraine, we should be we should be pushing putting troops in Europe as if he, in preparation for what he might do. If he invades Poland or inv- invades the Baltic yep. states, we sh- we better have troops and uh, heavy equipment, heavy armor, whatever. We ought to have them in Europe in preparation for that. You know, here's what I've been watching some of the parliament Ukrainian parliamentarians that are standing with their president. They're staying there. A lot of them are young people, very, very intelligent young people. And they're saying, we appreciate the help that we've had thus far. But the reality is it's not enough. We're outgunned. We're outmanned. They're saying to the Western world, are you just going to sit there and allow this maniac, Putin, to take over this country? Are you just going to sit there, Western world, and allow this to happen? Okay. All right. That is a great question. We've all run through that in our minds watching this on TV. And then I I say, hmm, uh, do I want my son's... Uh, Wesley and Walker, they're married in the, with children now, so they're not military age necessarily, but I'm just thinking my sons. I want my sons, if they, if, if they were 18, 19, and Marines, I would say, send in the Marines and fight those Ruskies on the ground in Ukraine. I would say, no, you're not. No, you're not going to send my sons over there. As much as I hate what's going on, I don't believe in uh, – yeah, Sa- uh, potentially sacrificing my sons for a, a foreign war. But I, mean, I, I, but I think there's middle ground here. Okay, go ahead. And here's the middle ground. Go, go back to the first Gulf War. Okay. That was air power. Saddam yeah. Hussein's military was wiped out with air power. Yeah. We all remember that. I just I just believe there, okay. the, the little extra that we could do involves our military force, in particular, air power. What if Putin launches a nuclear weapon at New York City? Well, then it's all off. Okay. Well, <clears throat> how far do you push a angry animal into the corner and then, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you if you send in the United States military, well, Fred's not suggesting that. He's saying military assets. Yes. And you, and you just start taking, you wipe out thousands of, of you just wipe out, Putin's military, then what? Well, f- let me just tell you, we're not going to wipe out Putin's military, the Russians, with what we've got in Europe. Okay, that's, that's why I'm yes. that's what I'm saying. Okay, yes. e- even even if we even if we go full bore in Europe, Russia is no slouch. 
And and to the point about air power, their surface-to-air missile batteries, they are top-notch. They, I mean, they have, they are, are equal in many areas. So I, my point, my belief, and, and this is why we have people in Washington who are supposed to represent us, they have, you know, they have access to intelligence that we don't have. It is their job to craft policy that will uh, serve American interests and the interests of our allies. Yeah. I think we be, should be moving military assets to NATO countries so that if Putin tries yeah. to expand his reach, we we should be prepared to go to war with Russia. All right. But I don't my personal opinion is I don't think we go to war with Russia over Ukraine. That, we, well, that that's the general consensus. Yeah, I, I think we we try yeah. to make it fi- economically damaging to Russia, so that at some point in the future, whoever replaces Putin rethinks it's, what they're doing. It's a complicated. It's a vastly complicated issue it is. mm-hmm. with no yeah. easy answers. You're listening to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. Well, I'll tell you what's not vastly complicated, and that is. The Bible uh, says that we as Christians, as followers of Christ, are to pray. Amen. Amen. Are to pray uh, for all a lot of different reasons, and uh, so that we prayer changes things, right? Right. And uh, joining us right now to tell us about a big prayer event in Texas is uh, Lewis and Rachel Hogan, founders of United Cry. And uh, Rachel, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Ladies first. Thank you for having us on. Absolutely. Yes. Go go ahead. And Lewis, you there? Yes, sir, I am. We're we're in different locations, so we're both on. (laughs) Okay, well, uh, Rachel, tell us about first yourselves, and then tell us about your uh, what's coming up April 9th in Texas. Sure. My husband and I founded United Cry in 2012. We were pastoring for about 20 years. But really just had a burden for um, our nation, had a burden for pastors, had a burden for issues of life that were going on. So we founded, we stepped away from pastoring, founded a nonprofit called United Cry. And in 2016, we held a large prayer gathering at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. on April 9th, praying for our country praying for pastors to be voices, repenting of national sins. We had um, people from Dr. King's family there at the Lincoln Memorial, and basically we had the white church apologize and stand there with the black church saying, we we are here for you, and had powerful stories, powerful time that day. Um, fast forward, though, to the summer, last summer of July 2021, we were part of a prayer gathering that took place at the very center of our nation in Lebanon, Kansas. It was called America's Prayer Meeting, and it literally took place in the middle of a cow pasture. They put a tent up, and 3,000 people of prayer came all across the United States to gather in this field in Lebanon, Kansas, and pray for reestablishing going back to the covenants that were established when America was founded and said, Lord, we want to go back to the foundations of this nation. At the end of that meeting, the vision was cast 
we want to go to the center of all 50 states and have a prayer gathering, pray for that state to experience the power of God, the power of unified prayer for moms and dads and sons and daughters and grandparents to be gathered together. And so the the leader of that prayer gathering, Doug Small, turned to my husband and said, will United Cry do this in Texas? And we had an immediate yes that we would do that. So because April 9th has such personal significance for us, we chose the date, April 9th. We looked up on Google Maps, what is the center place of Texas? It's Brady, Texas, whose town motto is the heart of Texas. And so on April 9th, we are gathering. There are 254 counties in Texas. So we're inviting representatives from all 254 counties to join us in a field at Richards Park in Brady, Texas, for a day of prayer for all of our state to be represented. So I'll let my husband jump in and tell us. Yeah, Lewis, Lewis, we got about a minute, minute and a half, so go. Yes, sir. Tim, thank you so much for having us on. We had a prophetic word after we started planning this out that was related to us. It was actually given here in Texas in 2006. And when the heart of Texas is revived, it will revive the heart of the nation. So we're going to the heart of Texas. We're gathering intercessors, pastors, church leaders from all across Texas in Brady, Texas on that day and representing all 254 counties to pray together for revival and awakening across Texas. And as we, as Rachel mentioned, this will be happening in all 50 states for the end of this year. So Texas is the first one out of the, out of the gate to hold this prayer gathering, but we believe it's so significant, and we do want to invite prayer leaders, pastors, churches from across the state of Texas to be with us in Brady. If you like more information on this, they can go to unitedcry.org, and when they go to our website, uh, click on Heart, and you can get all the information about the day and also register. There's, of course, there's no charge for it. We are, are asking people to register so we'll know about how many we need to accommodate that day. We've had a great response so far. We're a month out for April the 9th, and we want to invite everyone from across Texas to come join us in prayer for the state of Texas. Unitedcry.org? Yes, sir. Okay. And then well, click on heart when you when you get there. Yes, okay. okay. Are you a pastor, Lewis? Well, we pastor for about 20 years. I okay. do United. I do our nonprofit, United Cry, you know, full okay. time now. I'm not pastoring currently. Okay. We did for about 20 years. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, listen, God bless you both for heading this up. Lewis and Rachel, thanks for joining us. Sorry we're rushed here. Thank you, Tim. All right. But we'll see you. uh, We'll talk to you later. And, uh, folks, we'll see you back in five minutes. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.